It is good to see everybody this morning. I want to wish you a happy 4th of July before the 4th of July. I know that you guys have a lot of, hopefully, plans and to celebrate the freedom of our country and, and uh, you know, just how God has given us what a wonderful atmosphere of being able to worship Him freely. This morning, I am so excited. In the next few minutes, I'm going to ask a friend of mine, Randy Sheridan, to come and, and speak. And, you know, I was praying. Uh, if you don't know, I pray. Just see if you guys are awake. But uh, I'm praying, and, and I really believed that God has a word for you today from Pastor Randy Sheridan. Now, let me tell you, I, I could tell you all the things that him and Cindy have done over their lives that I know of, but they're all great because I know that who my friend is is Randy. And, and knowing Randy, probably the word that I could sum him up from my perspective, I know his wife would have a, a word or a phrase or his daughter or whoever, but I would say a problem solver. Randy Sheridan can come into a situation and he can pretty much diagnose the problem and be able to minister in that way. And God has given him that giftness in every church that he's been in. And we've heard that not from Randy Sheridan, but from people also that go to his church. This morning, I know that God uses giftedness and in you, in our church, in our body, in our family. And I believe as Randy brings the message today, listen to this. That the word of God, as we know in the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, is planted in different kinds of soil. The condition of the soil determined the outcome of the seed. Now, now just real quick, watch this. The energy is in the seed, the word of God. Everybody with me on that? Now, now watch this. As the word of God goes into your life, we know that the Bible calls it an incorruptible. In other words, the seed is good. Isn't that refreshing? Have you ever planted grass and said, boy, I hope this grass is good for all the work that's going in and anticipation and looking for it to come up? But the Word of God is good. It's going to come up. It depends on the soil that it is put into, your heart. So here's the good news. Why don't we just pray before we begin? And I ask Pastor Randy to come up. And we're just going to clear all that junk out of our life that maybe has gone on. If you've been, you know, that song, boy, if Lisa, man, she had it going on today. And and if, let me tell you, settle down, settle down. Anyway, if she would have sung Waymaker, I think I might have danced. So I'm just glad, Lisa, you didn't do that. Ever seen a pastor dance? Anyway, that's another story, another time. Let's pray. Father, today we give you authority over our hearts, God, that we clean out all the junk that is in it. God, we know that as we ask for forgiveness, our past is in the past. God, we believe that. We, we confessed, God, today in our, really our confession time, which is our worship time. God, you are who you say you are and can do what you can say and do what you can say that you can do. God, we've seen you move mountains. Father, today we clean out all that stuff that our hearts would be fertile to hear your word. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. This morning, let's give a hand for my friend Randy Sheridan as he comes. Try it again. Over there now. All right. Can you hear me? You can't hear me. 
Okay. On the bottom. Green? It's good there? They said new batteries. Huh? No, he said he had new batteries in it. And they're now? Okay. All right. These pastors can work miracles, can't they? Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor John. Thank you, Gwen. It's so good to be here with you guys today. Uh, let me give you the 411 real quick, okay? Um, he told you we pastor Faith Creek Church over in Richland Hills. Cindy and I celebrated last month 40 years uh, in marriage. You know, marriage is kind of an interesting thing. We've done marriage seminars for many years. We're a clergy couple for Assemblies of God and Marriage Encounter Ministries have been for about 29 years. Uh, somebody said marriage is kind of like a, a deck of cards. It starts out with two hearts, a diamond. Sometimes ends up with a spade and a club. Maybe a royal flush, I don't know, but anyhow... Or like, the, you know, even, even when you're married, sometimes words are so important. And sometimes in the heat of an argument, or you probably don't argue, but a fuss or something, uh, you say things that you no sooner they get out of your mouth, you wish you could take them back, right? I've been married long enough to do that numerous times. One young couple, they're both pretty witty, but... Uh, been married a few years, and they got into one of these tiffs, one of these arguments, and, and the next thing you know for he even thought, he said, I don't know why God made you so beautiful and so stupid at the same time. <laughs> she kind of composed herself, bit her lip initially, and said, well, then let me explain. He made me beautiful so you would be attracted to me. He made me stupid, so I'd be attracted to you. Huh? Marriage does some strange things to you, I'm telling you. But hey, we have three kids. They're all married. We're empty nesters. Uh, our, our oldest son, huh? Well... Not married, but our uh, oldest son, uh, Nathan, he is uh, married and he has the two boys, the two biggest boys and the little girl down on your right. And they passed their first assembly of God in Garden City, Kansas. And then uh, Danae, our daughter, she's still an unclaimed blessing. I'm looking for someone rich and lives close by us. So, uh, uh, then uh, Anthony and Anna... Theirs are the little guy on your far left, little William and uh, Catherine, and we brought Catherine with us. So this is what, this is what Cindy and I are doing today. Uh, Paul, Paul, and uh, Gigi, we're just taking care of the grandkids. Loving every minute of it. Loving every minute of it. So, uh, again, it's such a joy to be with you guys. And uh, when Pastor uh, called me, I began to pray and seek the Lord as to um, you know, sometimes as preachers, we can kind of, let's go for my best message. Let's go for this one, the one I like. Or, but I, I really sought the Lord, and I, I believe that he did give me a word this morning for some folk because I believe God wants to do something in, in some people's lives this morning. Something powerful 
about the Word of God, isn't there? Amen. Amen. You got your hand out? I'm kind of a, I'm a handout guy. And uh, because I want you to pay attention, but I want you to also, uh, I've learned that you, the, when you see something, you tend to remember it much more. When you have to write something down, you tend to remember it a great deal more. Now, I can still tell whether you're writing or looking on your phone. I just, no, I'm kidding. I know now that because I often, when I go to meetings, my Bible is on my phone. I don't often just carry around the, the, the Bible like this, uh, though when I'm reading, studying, that's what I want to use, but uh, so handy. We're living in the age of communication, uh, and, and we got to get with the program, don't we? All right? So let's talk about this. Some of the best wisdom I've ever, ever received. So while you're going there, the scripture, Proverbs chapter 4, let me say something else. I not only pastor a church, but I also serve in North Texas District as the Israel liaison. That means that I'm kind of the connection between North Texas and Israel. One of the things that we've been doing for the last uh, 10 years personally, but for the district about the last seven years, and that is each year we put together a trip to Israel. And we've now taken about 70 plus pastors over the last seven years, about 400 plus people that's gone along with us. All of our uh, district officials have uh, been with us uh, over the past number of years that we've been doing it. And so I would love to see you think about, pray about sending your pastor and his bride to go with us on one of these trips. Okay? Would that, would that work? Would that, just think about that. Pray about it. Have we got some board members with backbones? <laughs> I'm kidding. Some of my favorite people to pick on are deacons. All right. So uh, we have our next trip. We, just, we were on a trip in February and then another trip in March. Our next trip is 2020, February of 2020. We've got some brochures back there in the back. We're just going to leave them with you. You guys pray about it. Pastor appreciation usually comes around in the fall. Might be something you think about. Get some people to commit. And uh, your pastor, I'm going to tell you, if your pastor and wife goes to Israel, they will come back not only better people, they'll be better, better preachers. Something powerful. It's what he's been studying about, reading about, preaching about all of his life in ministry. Let me give you a, let me give you a quote. Our present superintendent, Dr. Galen Clonch, it was my privilege to take him for his very first time about uh, four years ago, three or four years ago. He said to me afterwards, he said, Randy, the only regret I have in ministry is I waited so long to go to Israel. I'll stop and think. He got, he got a couple of doctorates, I think, in theology and, and, and a couple, one other, and, and he's our superintendent, and that's what he said. My only regret in ministry that I did not go to Israel. Now, the number one question is, uh, Randy, is it safe? I've, I've taken my kids. I've built up credit over the years taking my grandkids. Um, it, it's safer than going town, downtown Fort Worth or Dallas after dark, okay? I mean, listen, everybody over there is carrying around a newsy, so, you know. Every... Every young person, when they graduate from high school, the girls are required to serve a minimum of two years in the military. The guys, three years in the military. 
So you listen, you know, when every citizen in the, in the country's got that kind of experience, it's all good. It's all good. You ready for the word? Wisdom is supreme. Everybody say supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, talking about wisdom. And she will exalt you. Embrace her. And she will honor you. And that's pretty powerful stuff. When God says the main thing is wisdom. Now somebody says, what is, Pastor, what's the difference between wisdom and, and knowledge? Isn't knowledge important? I know a lot of people who got knowledge don't have a lot of smarts. They don't have a lot of wisdom. It's one thing to have knowledge. It's another thing to know how to use the knowledge that you've been given. But let's take it to another level. Because I believe the wisdom he's talking about is something that comes down from heaven, from God, that he can deposit in your heart. It's not just about study. It's not just about reading. It's not about information. But it's something divine. I believe there is an anointing in the wisdom of God that he gives us that is life-changing. Amen? Amen. So that's, that's the wisdom we're talking about. Um, listen to what he says here in, in another passage in Proverbs, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 20. He says, wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of noisy streets, she's crying out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones? Will you love being simple? Now, God's Word doesn't pull a lot of punches, does it? But when you keep doing the same stupid or the same mistakes, you keep spinning your wheels in the mud of life, something is missing, and I believe it's the wisdom of God. And so, this morning, I want to share with you just a few things, and if you'll listen fast, I'll preach fast, okay? Here we go, real quick. Number one, be trustworthy in the small stuff. When she was talking or singing about the faithfulness of God earlier, that's, that's really what God's going to say. He's not going to say, well done, thou good and really smart servant. Well done, thou good and really wealthy individual. Well done. And, and God's not against either or. Okay, He just wants us to understand that the primary thing in life is, is attaining the wisdom of God, being faithful, being trustworthy. Listen to what Mother Teresa said. She said, be faithful in the small things because it is in them that your strength lies. In what you do regularly, consistently, the little things. You know, it's like walking by and you see a piece of trash on the carpet floor. So that's what we pay the janitor for. no. No, the little things is tough stopping and taking the time to put it in a trash can or stick it in your pocket. Little things. God sees the little things. The little things are so extremely important. Here's a Bible example. The Scripture says that uh, in regards to the talents, remember, the, the talents that were given out, was it the one, five, ten? They were given out. And, 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 and those that were given multiple talents, they went and did what with them? Multiplied them. What did God do with the one talent? He went and buried the 
the one talent, the one thing that God gave him to do something with. No, take You say, well, I, I can't sing or play the drums or play a guitar. I can't do what other people do. I can't preach. I can't speak. God says, take the one thing you can do. Work on that. Build that. Grow that seed that God's put in your life. That gift that He's given you. Be conscientious in the small things and you'll be prepared to excel in the big things when they come. You see, when, when you develop good habits and you learn to do the right thing, you learn to do the, even the small things, God says that a gift, a man or woman's gift will make room. He'll clear out the space and time. You be faithful to do what I've given you to do, and in due season you'll reap if you faint not. We're so prone to compare and say, well, I can't do it like she can or like he can. That's not what God's all about. What are you doing with what you have? Not what somebody else has. What are you doing with what God's given you? My dad would say to me, he'd say, son, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. I think your dad must have said the same thing. So do the little things well. Don't skimp by. There's a great 20th century philosopher that said this. Alabama football coach Bear Bryant said, it's not the will to win. But it's the will to prepare to win that makes the difference. The small stuff. Bloom where you're planted. Regardless of your assignment in life, do it well. If you do it well, God takes notice because He said He's not unrighteous that He should forget our work and labor of love. So do well whatever it is God's given you to do. Somebody says, man, I'd like to... I'd like to drive that kind of car or I'd like to have that kind of house. It just starts with the small things. It, it, it starts with learning to manage your money well. Know where it goes. You tell your money where to go. You don't just wake up at the end of the week and say, where did it all go? Okay? You say, well, if I had more money, Pastor. No, if you learn to manage the small amount that you have, God knows He can trust you with more. I've had people say to me when they come to the church and then we take them through the membership class and they may say, you know, Pastor, I'll be honest, I'm, just, I'm struggling about the tithe. If I made more money, you're missing the point. If you make only $10, give God the 10% of the dollar and then He knows He can trust you with a 1000 because you're taking care of the small stuff. You're being faithful and consistent in the small things and God takes notice. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5, He says, uh, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. Just the daily stuff, the little things. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now here's wisdom's reward. People will empower and invest in you when they know you're trustworthy. Amen? Number two, be a second miler. Matthew 5.41 says, if anyone forces you to go a mile, go with them two miles. And there's background story to that, that is, if a Roman soldier came by and saw a Jewish man, he might be working in his garden, he might doing, be doing something on his house, but under the Roman law, he could in, 
he could empower, he, I mean, he could require that Jewish man to come and carry his backpack, his equipment, whatever it is, a mile, only a mile. But here's what Jesus said when he came to him. He said, I know, I know you hate and despise the Romans and what they're doing to you, but listen, they'll compel you to go a mile. But then you go the second mile. And maybe what was required, you build a friendship or you learn something by going the second mile. Hmm, that's a thought. Another great philosopher from my past well, he's still around today. Roger Stallback said, there's no traffic jams along the second mile highway. You got clear way. You see, our culture says this, do just enough to get by. That's what the culture says, but God says go the second mile. He says, if a man smites you on one cheek, what's he say? Before you reach for the 357, or the 9 mil, or the 380, he said, turn the other cheek. Uh, he didn't say anything about after you run out of cheeks. Just kidding, I'm just kidding. My first church I pastored many years ago down in Arkansas, we had a, a good brother that was, every man in the church is a rural community, church about 70 they were all farmers except for two. One was an Electrolux vacuum cleaner salesman. The other was a carpenter. And the carpenter, I'd work with him off and on on odd jobs. And, and we'd do something and he'd had this saying. Well, it's, I'd say, well, now what do I need to do to hear? He'd say, it's good enough who it's for. It's good enough. That was just kind of his favorite saying. It's good enough for who it's for. And then one day we had him do a little side job at the church. And I was helping him. Guess what he said? I said, but Billy, this is for the Lord. Ah, well, you know, I just said, no, I've worked with you long enough that that's not what it, not just a saying. I said, we need to be, we need to go above and beyond as Christians. If you're a nurse, be the best nurse on your ship. Huh? If you're a blue collar worker, white collar worker, be the, be the best one in the place, in the company. Because God blesses second milers. I, I, uh, you, you see, find out, John Maxwell says it so well. He says, find out what people expect of you and always do more. Because no one stands in line for average. Whether it's the church, whether it's the coffee shop, whatever we're going to do for God, we're going to do it with a spirit of excellence. Because nobody's standing in line for average. They're looking for second milers. They're looking for people that go above and beyond. And that's what I see you doing here at uh, the chapel. In my first church, I, 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 I tell from time to time the borrowing story. Because I don't like to borrow. But I always want to go above and beyond people's expectations. So when we went off the evangelistic field, took our first church. We didn't have all the stuff you need to have to set up home, you know. And so I had a little, little shop there, a little shed, and, and uh, one, one day I needed, a, I needed a shovel. I didn't even have the, the basic shovel. She wanted me to plant some flowers, and so I went to one of my men. I said, can I borrow a shovel? Now, I don't like borrowing, but I just did what I did until we can kind of get our feet on the ground. 
And so he gave me a shovel. I noticed there was a little crack in the handle, but I borrowed to use the shovel. But before I took it back to him, I ran down to the hardware store. Probably should have done this first place, bought my own shovel. But uh, <laughs> ran down to the hardware store, and the shovel handle was like two, three dollars. Took it out, drilled a hole, and put it back in. Took to him. I, I needed a few weeks later. I needed to borrow a, a, a little. Uh, is it not a radio saw? What's just a little circular saw, right? Need a little black and down. I need. I hadn't bought one yet. Didn't have one, and so I went and borrowed one from a guy. And you know, if you have one for a while, every now and then you get the cord gets nicked and there's wires exposed. And this one was well used. Before I took it back to him, I went and found a little cord, replaced this cord. Can I tell you, I did not have. Matter of fact, I had people lining up want to borrow. Say, Pastor, come borrow my stuff. I mean, they'd kid me about it. But I'm just saying, when you find out what people expect and always do more, it's going to make a difference. Because they're going to soon recognize you are a second miler. Listen to what Genesis chapter 24. Here's another Bible example. Rebecca goes to the well, just like she does every other day. But Rebecca has a servant's heart. There was something in her that just sensed God was preparing something. And... and Remember the servant that was sent out to find a wife for Isaac said, listen, you know, I, I don't, I don't, this is important, really important. And, and so here's what, here's what the servant said. If, if she offers to give water to me and to my camels, that's just going to be a sign. Important. Those things are important. So he goes to the well and notice what, what happens. Here's uh, the scripture in Genesis 24. If she responds favorable, he says, and gives me water, and gives water to my camels. I think verse 10. And so Rebecca, and God said, that's the one. Why? Because she went above and beyond. You do know she's part of the lineage of Christ, right? You know that, that, that God sent the servant to another faraway place to find. Listen, God can find you. That's why I say bloom where you're planted. Be faithful to go to the well every day because God can send whoever He needs to send there to you in due season. That's what happened to Rebecca. And she became a woman used by God because she went the second mile. The moral of the story is find camels to water. <laughs> by the way, do you know how much water camels actually drink? Okay, she was working most of the evening to take care of the camels. Talk about being thirsty. Back in 1973, I was I was a sophomore in high school up the road, not too far from here, Collinsville High School. Anybody, everybody know where Collinsville is? Go to Aubrey, up the road a little bit. You go to Pilot Point a little bit further. There's Tioga, then you go a little further, and there's Collinsville. And uh, so we graduated in high school there. My freshman year in football, we were last place. <laughs> Back in those days, we called them B schools. We were a little B school. Uh, and so my sophomore year, they hired a new coach. He, he, was, he was reckoned to be a star in the NFL, but in college blew out his knee. And so he was hired as a high school coach so he could, he could abuse high school students. He was taking out his anger from the blown out knee and not making it to the pros. 
he'd load us up in the bus. Load us up in the bus, take us about five to seven miles out of town, and, and we'd all have to get off the bus. And he said, now I want you to run all the way back to the field house. If I catch anybody walking, I'm going to pick you up and you're going to start over. Okay? And, and you know, this guy, it's raining, so you work out in the field house, right? No. Mm-mm. You go find the biggest mud puddle. You cut off the uh, the the uh, uh, head of the mop on a on a mop or broom handle. You put a little tape on each end, and you put two guys, fully clothed, on either side of that stick, and stand in the mud puddle. And whoever lets go is in trouble. Okay, you say that is a, no, it wouldn't fly today. I understand. <laughs> we we you know, but anyhow, uh, I mean, Smokey Brister. He thought he could heal anything with a few salt tablets and white tape. Okay? And, and we went my sophomore year, my freshman year, from last place to my sophomore year, co-champs. You, you, you probably heard of that group called Salina. Now, if you know anything about football, they've been a football power since I was a kid. We were co-champs with Salina that year. Okay? From last to first. Why? Because he didn't believe in anybody doing anything average. You were going, and we were so glad, we were so tired of hitting each other when we got on the football field. You know, we were going to knock the, uh, the stuffings out of the other guys. And uh, consequently, we rose to the top. Second milers, no quitters. He wanted to see that extra effort, and we did it. So here's wisdom reward for a second miler. You never lack for greater opportunity if you're a second miler. Because people will take notice. Pastor will take notice. God will take notice. Others will take notice when you go the second mile. Are you listening quick? Here we go. Number three, be honorable in all things. Be honorable in all things. How do we do this? First of all, we honor God by aligning our lives with His Word. Remember the Old Testament priest Eli in the, old, in the Scriptures? Eli served the Lord valiantly used of God, but overlooked the sins of his two sons. And God said something to him because God was, was in this honoring thing. Okay, In 1 Samuel 2.30, listen to what he said. I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But, but now the Lord declares, far be it from me, those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. So in other words, God says, I honor them who honor me. He honors them who honor him. Right? You get that? You understand that? So we start out by honoring God. And so God's looking for those who will seek after him with all of their hearts and endeavor to take his word at face value, building and aligning their lives around his word. When he talks about faith and he talks about miracles, we just take it at face value. That's what God's looking for. People that know the value of getting up in the morning and taking three to five minutes and have personal devotions and read a few, just a scripture or two and, and, and pray before they walk out the door. And you say, well, I don't have time, Pastor, do 30 I'm not saying do 30 minutes. Take three to five minutes. That's all you got to take. You just do that consistently. See what it does to your life. See what it does to your marriage. See what it does for your relationships. You'll be a better worker on the job. Amen. So honor God. 
uh, and we say this, I, I, I want His favor, so I will align my life to His Word. We want to align our marriage to His Word. We want to align our business with His Word. We want to align our finances with His Word. We're honoring God, right? We want to honor Him. This is the love, 1 John 5, 3, he said, this is the love for God that we obey His commandments, that we're doing our best. He's not asking perfection. He's asking us to give Him our best. Amen. To honor His Word, to obey His Word. Secondly, honor your Word. You see, Proverbs 3, 4 says, then, if you honor your Word, then you will have favor and a good name in the sight of God and man when you honor your Word. Now, those of us that have a little gray hair and a few wrinkles have been around long enough to know that there was a time that our, our parents, maybe other, that their word, a handshake was a man's word, was his bond. And oftentimes business deals were just a matter of shaking hands. Why? Because you knew that they could take you at your word. In other words, here's one of the reasons or how people can gauge whether you're a man or woman of your word, is that is you finish what you start. Because you'll not be judged by what you start. You're going to be judged by what you finish. It's not the one who runs the swiftest, nor the one who shines for a day, but the one who endureth to the end. He, he shall be saved. That's an old one. That's an old one. I understand that. Some of you are looking at me like a calf in a new gate. <laughs> so be a man or a woman who finishes what you start. Now, I'm an information buff. I read to the extreme. If, you know, if you saw my library, you'd understand that. Um, and it's just been, it's been one of the things that's kept me out of trouble over the years. Just read. I love sports. 1968, I love Olympics especially. 1968, there was a marathon race that was taking place. Matter of fact, marathon is how many miles? Anybody know? 26 what? Or 23? 21? Okay, I can say whatever, nobody knows. 26.1 or 2 or something. Point two. Okay. So the marathon race is going on. There was a man by the name of Stephen Aquara. Stephen was from the country of Tanzania, and he had, been, had won the honor of going to the Olympics to run in these 1968 Olympic marathon race. Often can take, you know, it takes, what, three or four hours, uh, I think somewhere in there for that to be run. The stadium for Stephen, at that particular time, people were gathered, literally hundreds, even thousands were gathered, as the story goes. But uh, Stephen, somewhere, some, here's what happened. Uh, somewhere along the way, an accident, something happened to Stephen. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. But all the runners come in. It's the last thing at the end of the day. They all come into the stadium where the finish line is in these Olympics. And they start doing the count as people are leaving and realize they're still Still one runner, somebody missing. Somebody said, oh, there's one more out there somewhere. 
And uh, as the stadium's emptied, no one's there with the exception of a few officials and a handful of journalists. Here comes Stephen Aquara, literally dragging a leg, walking into the stadium. Here's what happened. About an hour into the race, several of the runners got tangled up. And Steve, somehow or another, in that entanglement, was thrown to, hard to the curb, to the pavement, and literally injured himself so bad that they called officials over to try to get to take him to the hospital, but he wouldn't go. He wouldn't go. He refused to quit the race. Drags his leg into the remain into the race into the Olympic Stadium, and uh, they have to make two laps when they come into the stadium to finish it up. Two laps, and then come to the finish line. Painfully, they watched as Stephen walked, dragging that leg around the Olympic Stadium. Then they found out the whole story as to what happened, and they asked him, "Why did you keep doing it?" He says, because the people of Tanzania, I gave them my word that I would come and I would run the race and I would finish the race. And my people did not send me, did not send me to quit. He was a man of his word. Last place. But he went down in history in his country. My son, Proverbs 3, 21 do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. And they will be life for you. They will be as an ornament or an award around your neck. Will grace your neck. Number three. Honor others. Now this may be the most difficult of the three. Because when it comes to honoring God, a lot of that is done in secret and personal and we endeavor to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling and we're trying to honor God and, and oftentimes we can put on a good face and, 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 and then honoring a word, you know, sometimes people don't interact enough with us to always know but, but nevertheless, when it comes to honoring others, this often is the telltale. The, your attitude is your altitude. Right? Your attitude toward other people really tells the story. And so, when it comes to honoring others, let me just give you a, a rundown of this. Let's learn to believe the best in people. I mean, shock your friends by believing the best. Look for the best in people. I mean, that can even make your mother-in-law a believer. Speak the best about people. Hey, let's start a new trend. Let's turn gossip on its head. Be quick to praise others. Speak of that good that you found. Be quick to affirm others. People will follow you to the doorstep of hell and back if they know you believe in them. Affirm people. Well, I don't like that. You've got quirks too. Matter of fact, most of us that don't like the quirks and other people got more quirks than they got. Affirm people. 
You say, well, Brother Andy, I, I want to say something good about him, but it's just, uh, get over yourself. Okay? You can find something good to say. You can affirm them in some way. Oh, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. You are a hypocrite. <laughs> Learn to affirm other people. You don't have to believe everything that you... I, oh, just learn to affirm people. Amen. I say it this way. Call out the champion in others. Because God sees what they're going through. God knows them much better than you and I do. They, he knows what they're facing, what they're up against. Call the champion out in them. When you believe in them and when you speak good things into their life, as I said, God will raise something up inside of them. Amen. I saw some champions over here worshiping this morning. I saw, I saw some champions serving this morning in the house. I saw some people that were stepping up and doing what they could because there's champions. I see a champion of champions sitting here on the front, he and his wife, because they have a vision that God has given them. And they're willing to call out the champions in you if you'll give them the chance to speak into your life. Amen. Learn to call out the champion. I'm so glad that God knows me as well as He does. Because here's what I want you to know as I close. Is that God knows what you have done. And yet He still believes in you. God sees the worst of depravity in your life. You see, that's not what God calls out. God calls out what you can become. That's what He did for Peter. The man who denied him at the most crucial time in his life. Did he nail his hide to the wall? Huh? He said, you go tell my disciples and Peter. He called out the champion in Peter and Peter rose to the occasion. And that's what God wants and will do for you if you will let him. That's what God wants to do through you. I know what you did. I know, I, years ago, we were in pastor in Alabama. I really am continuing to close. And uh, we were working in a youth camp in, in southern Alabama as a camp director for a number of years. And our son, Nathan, uh, at that time was a, about a 16, 17-year-old teenager in the camp. And, and good kid. He had won camp, best camper a year or two. And uh, so sometimes some of the other I can't even blame the deacon's kids. These were preacher's kids. A couple of other preacher's kids always tried to get Nathan because they, they saw him kind of as a, a goody two-shoes to kind of, you know, do what they... And so it was time. I had to stay on top of it. But on one occasion, he kind of gave in, was just kind of hanging out. Really didn't do it, but he was there. Okay, he was an accomplice because he was there. And, uh, and uh, I want you to know, these daddies... They knew they were just, they were hoping their 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 kids would come to preach so they get saved you know and just and we'd fix them and uh, <laughs> and uh, but they were chewing them out right and left okay when I got Nathan aside I just said son I know what you did this is not who you are you shouldn't have been here we'll talk more about that later we'll have a come to Jesus meeting later. But I wasn't going to humiliate and embarrass him like these other dads were doing 
and and by the way, I, I was around long enough to see they those boys went right and left in years to come because they were waiting for a dad to call out the champion in them, and instead, instead they were doing the exact opposite. Now, does that mean my kids are all angels? No, sir. But go ahead and call out the champion in them. Go ahead and call them out who what they can become. That's what Jesus did to Peter. And if you will do that, they'll rise to the occasion and they'll become what God intended them to become. Listen to Romans 8 and 30. And he, and though he, God, predestined, he also called. Those he predestined. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also sees you as glorified. In other words, he sees you in your depravity, but he also sees you in your glorification. He sees what you're going to become. So God chooses to go ahead, send his son to sacrifice for you, and call the champion out in you. So you can become what he wants you to be. Honoring others begins with seeing people the way God sees them. Probably the most important thing I say here. Honoring others begins with seeing people the way God sees them. Here's wisdom's reward. Sow an honor. You reap an honor. Learn to honor others. Learn to sow and speak truth into others' lives. Affirm others. God says you'll reap an honor. I see, I see some champions here. I see some champions in the house. Hallelujah. I see some people that are going to take this city by storm. God's going to use you mightily. Rise to the occasion, church. Amen. Get behind the champion of champions up here, your leaders, and rise to the occasion. and See what God can do. Who knows what could happen if we will just all put our feet in the water and say, all right, God, I don't know exactly all you have in store, but I'm willing to step out here because I believe you believe in us. We believe in one another. But pastor, you don't know them like I know them. Oh, but he does. Go ahead, and, go ahead and call the champion out. Stand with me this morning. I want you to look at somebody and say, you're one of God's champions. Come on, come on. You're one of God's champions. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me pray over you and I'm going to turn it back to pastor. Father, thank you this morning for the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe, God, that there's a house full of champions here this morning that you are going to use for the glory of God, that you are going to continue to raise up under the leadership of this pastor couple, that you are going to use them for the glory of God. We're believing you and trusting you. And I call the champion out. I call this church a champion church that you're going to use in this city in the name of Jesus. So be it. We thank you for it. And everybody said a good amen. 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 Bless you, Pastor.